Welcome back to Optimism Vaccine. I'm Steve, and joining me with a snarling Boston Terrier, it's Adam Myros. Yes, hello. Uh, I can't corral the dog, so he's probably going to be a constant menace throughout is this he, Is he a Boston Terrier or French Bulldog? Which one is he? He's both. He's both. He's the mix of the two. Okay. He's, they call it a French chin. A, a French a French chin? I don't like that. French chin. We need a better portmanteau for that. Also joining us, he is a responsible dog owner, and he's corralled both of his, and they are not being disturbing at all. It's Jack Eason. We'll see how long that holds. I've also got a cat in the room who at any point will decide he needs to leave, so <laughs> that could happen. Yeah, it's all right. I mean, you know, Jake's not on the episode, so this is less zoo than usual, but... Yeah, anytime someone complains about animals on a podcast, I say, listen, we've got more fucking animals on this thing than anyone in the history of the medium. So if we can do it, anyone can. But hey, yeah, we're back. We've got more Coffin Joe. People said, how much more can there be? And we said, oh, so, so much more. So much more. And in fact, there's more Coffin Joe this week than there was last week, uh, incidentally. And uh, we're also going to be covering something that isn't even being included in the forthcoming Arrow box set, uh, but it's still a Coffin Joe movie, believe it or not. So, yeah, and we're still missing one too uh, because it's a clip show. Yeah, but that, well, you know. I don't know. If we're basing it on quality, then <laughs> I, we could have we could have left one of these off. Maybe the clip show is better. <laughs> Maybe the clip show is better. The funny thing is, is the what's the name of the clip show movie from from the Coffin Joe series? Do you know the name off the top of your head? Uh, no, I don't, wow. but I don't have it for, oh, it's hallucinations of a deranged mind. Okay, sure, sure. So the fun thing about that is the first movie we're going to talk about today, the bloody exorcism of Coffin Joe, AKA black exorcism is featured in that movie. So Arrow doesn't, didn't, well, they weren't able to get the rights to the bloody exorcism of Coffin Joe, but within the clip show lives clips from that film. So. Go figure. Uh, but yeah, I mean, shout out to the Brazilian asshole who just would not give that up. So now there's just a like a busted ass Portuguese like DVD from 20 years ago. That's the only way to watch this movie. Real cool. But hey, uh, this is a kind of a weird era for Jose Mojica Marines because I mean, obviously he launches himself into Brazilian popular culture and stardom with the Coffin Joe character. And then uh, pretty quickly thereafter, at least within a decade, he gets into this kind of like self-reflexive meta horror mode. And we first saw this with Awakening of the Beast, <laughs> where it, it was almost like his reaction to critics saying that Coffin Joe as a character is, is a, a net negative for society. And now with the bloody exorcism of Coffin Joe, um, he's set himself aside as like a completely different character where Coffin Joe is part of like, I don't know, this evil voodoo witch lady's plot to manipulate a child by, uh, I don't know, doing evil dead stuff. So it, it, it's just interesting to me because I can't think of and maybe you guys can correct me here or maybe someone's listening and they'll be screaming into their stereo and I won't hear them, but I can't think of some like a, a horror icon character and, and the creator and 
just an earlier example of them examining the, that character and their place in, in broader society and culture the way that uh, Jose Mojica Marines is with Coffin Joe in The Bloody Exorcism of Coffin Joe and previously Awakening the Beast. Like, this is basically Wes Craven's new nightmare, but, you know, 20 years ahead of time. And I, I was wondering, do you guys, know, off the top of your head, can you think of anything that has that sort of like meta layer at the time or earlier? I, I can off the top of my head. I mean, the closest I can think of is something like Curse of the Cat People, which like starts tearing away at the seams of Cat People as a sequel. Um, but it's not really the same idea. I'm sure, I have a feeling there might, there might be some strains of it in classic Hollywood, you know, the old Universal Horrors, because they really churned those things out. And Val Luton was just doing all kinds of things over mm -hmm. like, a weekend with a handful of dollar bills or whatever. But, um... To amazing effect, it should be added. <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah, no, this this one rewrites the timeline a little bit for me because yeah, I think of certainly what was it like the late eighties, early nineties? Really, it was um, New Nightmare and Cat in the Brain, the the Fulci film, or like your right, two, yeah. you know, self reflexive the the horror master, you know, uh, has to deal with his creation movie. Like those are really the two big ones that I think of. And this is uh, like you say, like twenty years earlier. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because this, I mean, this sort of predates to, at least with New Nightmare, the, the 1980s were that era of just like iconic horror figures, you know, your your Jason Voorhees, your Michael Myers, your Freddy Krueger. And so New Nightmare really leans into that because even Cat in the Brain, while it's super meta, it's goofball Fulci running around and there's clips of his previous <laughs> movies in there. Uh, obviously, Fulci was, he was all over the board. It's not like he created a specific character that was franchised into multiple movies. So it really does feel unique. I mean, not so much in the contemporary landscape of cinema, but just considering when this came out and what it is, it really seems like there's nothing like it. Yeah, I think I think this is really and like you say with Awakening of the Beast, which I think I'm kind of coming around to as maybe maybe being Coffin Joe's masterpiece. Maybe uh, that the end sequence is just so damn strong. It's it's really something special. Um, yeah, yeah, there's this kind of like building through this period that I guess he completely uh, effectively invented Brazilian horror. We discussed. I mean, at midnight, I'll steal your soul or whatever. His first film is was basically seems like the first Brazilian horror movie, and he pretty much shook everything up from that, and then. After doing that, and I'm guessing receiving a lot of feedback from institutions in Brazil, he, he kind of shifted character a little bit to kind of like look inward and, and kind of point out almost a defense of what he was doing, but also an expansion of it. And it's it's really interesting to see it. And and this is a very different Awakening of the Beast. It's much more, um, what do you say, classically, you know, straightforward film tone. It's very much like New Nightmare. It's, you know... Jose Mujica Marin shows up as himself uh, in a sweater, still has the fingernails because he has those for <laughs> of course. authenticity. As he says, they ask him, uh, he's in a press conference at the start of the film, they ask him why he has the fingernails and he says, for authenticity, they have to be real because, you know, he embodies Coffin Joe, you know, as a character, as a, as a social icon in Brazil. But he's retiring to the country, to a friend's mansion 
to spend Christmas with them. Worth noting, this is a Christmas movie, everyone. Yeah, Bloody Christmas system movie. of Croft and Joe. <laughs> add it to your Christmas list. This is this is a family tradition in the making. Um, and he's basically hanging out there for the holidays to kind of work on his next his next script and things start happening. He starts visions and people seem to be possessed and so on. And, and he starts to realize that Coffin Joe seems to have, have taken on a, a life separate of him. And, and for also weirdly separate of Coffin Joe in the previous movies, because here Coffin Joe seems to specifically be an emissary of like Satan, which he's specifically like the weird thing about Coffin Joe in the early movies. He largely rejected both God and Satan mm -hmm. and didn't even believe in either of them. So kind of a strange shift in tone here. But yeah, I mean, it's it's really like I say, it just kind of rewrites the timeline. I've never really seen anything like this. It's it's such a peculiar kind of a, a a kind of thing to see a director take on his his character like this and his his social position like this and play with it in this way. And I think it's it's a really interesting text in that sense because you do get the feeling that this is a guy almost covering his ass a little bit of like I'm discussing the character of Coffin Joe and his evil deeds and placing my real self, who isn't real, but is a fictitious version of myself, in who's very bougie in this. I, I don't I don't know if, <laughs> if Marine in real life is as bougie as his representation in this movie. He's very turtleneck that he walks around in, just prancing yeah, yeah, and he's around going in his, his leisure vacation home. <laughs> Yeah, and he's got his leisure suit. And he's always like a glass of brandy while he's walking around. It's, I don't know. It just he just seems like a little more of a like like a rough and tumble dude, from my understanding mm -hmm. of him. But you know, to to insert to basically insert a version of himself between him and his monstrous creation, and kind of like it's almost as brilliant shift the goalposts thing, you know, because it allows people to discuss it in all kinds of light, but he's still allowed to do naked orgies. Yeah, it's it's kind of ingenious. <laughs> it's great. It really is great. Uh, it, it's nice, too, because if Awakening of the Beast was him just having like a violent knee jerk reaction to government and cultural entities that were critical of him and the character that he had created uh, and him basically saying like, yes, I'm everything that you think I am. And actually, I'm so much worse and I'm going to fucking kill you. Uh, this is him taking a little bit of a step back from that aggression. But like you said, it's it's almost like more playful and interesting as a text because he inserts himself into it. So, uh, yeah, I don't know, man. It's 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 pretty fucking special. And I think the, mo the most special thing is you can tell that uh Jose Mojica Marines is getting tired of Coffin Joe to a certain degree, or at least the baggage of Coffin Joe. So my favorite line in the whole film is when uh, he's talking to, I think it's like his friend's daughter's boyfriend or something like that. And he's like, oh, wow, yeah, Coffin Joe's okay, but you know who I really like? Finis Hominis. That's my guy. <laughs> Said no one ever. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> it's worth it's worth a shot. Yeah, it, it really is. Which is great too, because it's it's honestly a joke that is only hilarious if you've gone through the exact sequence that we have watching these <laughs> films for the podcast. But um yeah, a, a real fucking knee slapper. So uh anyways. Miles, what do yeah, you think? Yeah, I don't one? know. This movie is a little weird to me. Like, I, I I like certain aspects of it quite a lot, but there's also like things I don't like much at all. I don't think it's one of the stronger uh, films. I mean, 
you know, it's still good. I, I think really we've only had kind of one dud thus far, which was, uh, yeah, the, the old sequel to Finnis Hamas. <laughs> Those gods were falling asleep and so was I. <laughs> um, yeah, I think this is, I, I just don't think like you can tell where this film is like playing with these exorcism tropes and he's doing like this spooky house business and it's not his, <laughs> it's not his forte. Mm-hmm. Like it's just kind of, uh, not creepy, more, more like fucking goofy as shit. Just seeing all this stuff sailing across the room on fish lines. <laughs> yeah. It's just, uh, it's a really sort of campy outcome that I don't think was intended, but, uh, yeah, I, I once once it's like everything to do with the witch and the emergence of Coffin Joe is super compelling. It's just that that's not not very much of the film, frankly. Yeah, there, there is a lot of build up to it. Certainly, it's like mm-hmm. there's at least like fifty minutes of strange goings on in the manor. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. It didn't didn't bother me too much. I thought some things. I mean, I I think the the possessed grandfather and stuff is is pretty pretty solid scene. With you know, I mean, I I think you have to I guess you know um, get in on the the film on that level. Everything's a little. I mean, to, to be fair, in the middle of the film is a man with just enormously long fingernails walking around everywhere. It's it's just kind of a strange strange vibe. Um, they've got the little girl who just never wears pants, which is really <laughs> peculiar. She just has every dress is the shortest dress I've ever seen. Like it barely covers down past the waist. <laughs> and it's like, why is this child dressed like this? This is so weird. And I think that's Mushika's daughter. I think God. he definitely has a family member in the cast. And I think that's his daughter because and I, mean, I don't think she has any other film roles. Um, but I think so, because the film then loops back to her being kind of the witness of the the violence of mm-hmm. everything so there's there's kind of a a pathway there of you know um of co- almost self-reflexive you know coffin joe passing on his progeny you know the, the thing which will become a very literal uh thing as we move back to coffin joe tried and tested stuff later in this episode mm-hmm. yeah i i think tonally this one does struggle where all the previous films that we've watched for this particular series hasn't really where a lot of the things that could be read as kitschy or silly end up being just creepy or unsettling on some level. But here when he's when he's dealing with the possession stuff, it's it's almost like you've got two separate things going on. You've got the possessed people, uh, which, again, they, they sort of read like uh, deadite possession in an evil dead movie. And then mm-hmm. you've got the cornball shit, which is just like and a chair moved across the room. Or that that trident, the trident on the mirror, the big, mirror. the big red trident that it was. Yeah, just, that, really, that is a big fucking like laugh out loud camp. Like, yeah, yeah. I really you liked, can't take that shit seriously. I really liked the trident because it just <laughs> it has this strange childish primitivist kind of. It looks like someone stuck it reminds, a fucking red sticker on the leg. <laughs> it probably it's did. A very peculiar effect, but it, it reminded me a little of like something like. Um, Ray Goddess's uh, post tenebrous looks as like a really cartoonish, strange vision of the devil. I, you know, uh, this the, the trident kind of reminded me of that. It's almost like this children's conception of evil. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know. I thought that was a, a certain, just an interesting way of visualizing it. I think there, and you know, I think throughout all of this, it's it's fair enough to say, oh, a chair moves, he gives some books fly off a shelf at him, and everything. But as I think about it, almost all of my immediate touch points for all of this kind of filmmaking is like 
from the 80s. It's from like several years yeah. after this came out. And I know we had the Invisible Man in the 1930s and stuff that did all kinds of elaborate special effects with, with fishing wire and so on to make things move when it looked like there was nothing there. It's not like any of this is new, but like I feel like the the combination of elements here, I was quite engaged with it because I just, it felt, this film to me just felt like it was way ahead of its time. Oh, absolutely. Overall. Especially when you consider it was, it was probably funded because you could pitch it as, hey, you know, that Exorcist movie that was popular in America, what if we did a Coffin Joe one? And then, you know, everybody yeah. claps like a fucking seal. The, <laughs> the Exorcist is about the only Hollywood touchstone to this whole generation of horror that actually predates what Coffin Joe is doing um, for like 50 bucks in Sao Paulo. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's, 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 just, it's a really interesting thing to see this um, just kind of like develop naturally. Um, you know, it's, it's just really, it's really something, this kind of like self-taught filmmaker going into becoming like almost an essay filmist mm -hmm. in a sense, you know, it's like Goddard if he were a filmmaker, you're a horror filmmaker, yeah. you know, just kind of like running off on like, what does it mean? What are the movies I make about? What do I mean to people? What does it mean to have this alter ego and so on? And it just kind of like flips out continually and he just keeps reworking it. Like I say, I think... Um, Awakening the Beast is a stronger film for me just because it's a little bit more out there and strange and the finale is just like a stunning array of images. Mm -hmm. Here, I would say the the finale is feels like kind of a budget version of Awakening of the Beast. I mean, they, like they had one room yeah. and just got a couple of people. Like and it's a lot of repeated elements. Uh, like Coffin Joe sure does love walking on naked people. That's a uh, I mean, lovely who carpet and naked people. How do you think to, I start my day, to... Jack? Come on. You... Oh, yeah. And, and and of course, a little room behind the throne full of topless ladies who who wouldn't want one of those. Yep. That's I, pretty great. I got, but yeah, I got one in every um, room in my house. Oh, wow. Yeah. You, <laughs> terrible if you forget to feed them. It's really hard to go on vacation, <laughs> but yeah. Well, I mean, there's like a, there's a different editor on uh, all of these, I think, than what we had seen previously. Um, yeah, I think that the two we were very taken with uh, being, yeah, the, the last one, they're Awakening of the Beast and uh, uh, This Night I'll Possess Your Corpse, right? Or, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I have the same editor. Mm -hmm. And you can kind of tell. And I think this sort of gonzo finale, it's not nearly as uh, punchily edited and also, you know, it doesn't have that benefit of the, the color from black and white trick going on either, no. so it just doesn't pop the same way. Um, it's just, those other two films are like really goddamn interesting. Like, I'd recommend them to any horror fan, you know, they're just like really great sort of psychotronic stuff. And this is... It's interesting, but it's interesting more theoretically than it is in practice, I think. Yeah, yeah. It's it's him playing with narrative more than it is with him playing with form. And I think the form stuff is just, it's, again, it's more visually arresting. And then the other problem that we run into here, too, and, and another reason why I hope eventually someone gets a hold of this thing and uh, does a restoration, but also takes a look at the damn subtitles, <laughs> which... You know, like like the tree of critters. Oh my god, I was <laughs> fucking <laughs> dying. Yeah, like uh, so. If you're listening to this right now and you haven't seen this movie, there's a, a great scene, a really great scene, because this is a Christmas film, oddly enough, uh, where it, it, the little girl goes down into the living room. She's like, "I want to say a prayer underneath the Christmas tree," which I guess that's something you fucking do in Brazil. I don't know. 
And she goes down there and then she starts screaming and she starts screaming because the Christmas tree, like all the ornaments are gone and all the lights are gone. And it's just like fucking live tarantulas and boa constrictors and all kinds of nasty shit. And they're just going back and forth screaming about the critters. The tree is full of critters. And I'm thinking like, what? Fucking critters. It's just like little smiley face squirrels. Like what? <laughs> fucking critters. Maybe man. this is where South Park's woodland critter Christmas came from. Yeah. That was there that that tension between the supposed welcomingness of a, of a critter versus a more insidious reality. How yeah. deep does this go? <laughs> but yeah, I I mean something something to look at for future revisions but uh i I don't know maybe maybe critter is a really ominous term in brazil i'm not sure but jesus i'm gonna guess it's a translation (laughs) yeah yeah i mean yeah the the version we watched to be fair is coming from a brazil a brazilian tv broadcast i'm pretty sure it's been translated to english by someone out of the goodness of their heart for yeah probably best case scenario upload credit on a private torrent site yeah that's, <laughs> probably that's no it. money changed hands for this zero zero and and god bless him for it but yeah. uh oh yeah backbone I, of the whole thing seriously i anyways i i think this is great also i think my big takeaway from this whole project and these three episodes that we've done and all these movies that we've watched is if you want to get into Coffin Joe or whatever, you got to start with uh, This Night I'll Possess Your Corpse and At Midnight well, I'll Take Your Soul. I would probably start, yeah, I'd start with the first one. At well, Midnight I'll I Take mean, Your Soul isn't no, no, quite no. as strong, but it is, it is fundamental. Yes, it's a really fun 100%, 100%. Film. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying you start with those two. Watch the foundational sure. ones. Watch At Midnight I'll Take Your Soul. Watch This Night I'll Possess Your Corpse. If you're vibing with those, then skip over the Finnis Hominis and all the other shit, and then just watch Awakening of the Beast and Bloody Exorcism of Coffin Joe. And I think if you watch those four films, and that's like your self-contained kind of exposure to this stuff, then, I mean, branch off. You can go into Finnis Hominis land if you want to, if that's the, the path you wish to take. But really, like, those four films, like, God, that's that's a really nicely contained uh, just example of how great of a filmmaker uh, Marines is. So, yeah, yeah, I'd agree. I think, uh, I mean, probably a lot of people jump into strange world of coffin Joe next, just because it's next chronologically, but it, it's not, that's not a coffin Joe. No, it's not a fucking coffin <laughs> Joe. It's fine, but it's not a coffin Joe. It, film. it is. It's fun. Watch it. If you, if you're enjoying his stuff, but yeah, those four, I think I would agree uh, that's the good shit even though yeah I, I think this is uh the least of those four in my books i think mm-hmm. it's the worst film but uh it's still we're still doing interesting shit yeah. uh i think uh if we're talking about him feeling fatigue with the character uh you're gonna see that uh, oh, we're getting <laughs> we might be right at the end of the it. line with old coffin let Joe. me introduce you to the strange hostel of naked pleasures which by the way Another just A plus fucking knock it out of the park title. Uh, but my God, I, I was starting to question myself at this point, too. I was like, am I feeling coffin Joe fatigue at this point? Or is the filmmaker feeling coffin Joe fatigue at this point? And I think the answer to that is yes. Uh, <laughs> it's just like th- there's just there's not as many ideas going on here. This feels very just 
cut and dry and and it doesn't seem to be pushing itself form form in, in terms of form or narrative it's just like here's more coffin joe don't you, don't you like that he's a hotel proprietor now <laughs> yeah hell i fucking wish i wish that was a, how i would describe this like if this was just like well, it's it's kind of like it's like Nightmare on Elm Street four or something. They're on cruise control. It's mm. nothing great, but this is worse than that <laughs> because I mean, this. It's worth, I it's mean, worth, Marines is not like the uh, primary director on this yeah. film, and there's a different editor again, and a terrible editor, might I add. Uh, <laughs> this is uh, this movie. It stinks. It's terrible. Like I. I, I it's hard to watch too. It's just like a cacophony of endless noise. It's just like God in heaven. Yeah, it opens with um, it opens with this like really long tribal resurrection scene, like almost like a drum scene, and and women in sheer like torgo style or whatever manos, the hands of fate, sheer <laughs> not negligees and things yeah, dancing, horny and, torgos. <laughs> and it's kind of like it. It seems interesting how like at first i was like it's interesting how long it goes because you feel like it must it's really building you know the kind of the like coffin joe's resurrection i guess from the concept that he technically died at the end of the second movie everything mm -hmm. in between that has kind of been like in, in an interstitial period um and you know i don't know if they're even concerned about that particularly but that's what i was wondering because it really it goes on for like six or seven minutes probably before the opening titles come in but what I've learned watching the rest of the movie is like, no, the whole movie takes forever to get to a point. It's it is this like strangely like like they were just milking it for time. And I think it comes in like an hour and 20 minutes. So it's still short nominally. It doesn't feel it particularly. Mm -hmm. But there is this kind of like arrested sense of time to it, which is interesting because towards the end of it, just to let everyone know, OK, the hostel is purgatory. OK, we'll get that <laughs> You'll out of the way. You'll figure that out in five yeah. fucking minutes. <laughs> yeah, it won't take you long to get there. Yeah. So towards the end of it, you realize like they have things where, you know, everyone realizes their watch is stopped and the watch face, the clock is, you know, all the numbers are missing. And it's like time is standing still and you're sitting watching it and you're going like, yeah, fucking tell me about it, buddy. Mm -hmm. uh, it's it's. Yeah, I think we found her first for me, honestly, because I actually I quite like the Phineas Hominis duo. I think they have their own elements to them, but uh, this I think is probably the first real dud I would have to characterize. If there's there's really nothing new here, there's it doesn't really bring anything new to the Coffin Joe world. It's very it's very much beholden to him. I mean, I say Marine, someone else directed it, but he's has he's on IMDb. He's listed uncredited as a director, and you certainly get the sense he certainly had a lot of uh, say over everything we still have the same music cues he has uh you know Al Lang Syne and stuff showing him a weird spot and um, it opens with a coffin joe spoken word intro we then almost get a repeat of the galactic overview that i think started when gods fall asleep um you know with all the little fake planets hanging and spinning as oh, that's the through, best you know. part of the movie i think I, I yeah, it, probably, it looks so yeah. kitsch there's just like a fucking thousand planets spinning in this yeah ridiculous but, but again, like mobile it, it's, it, it's certainly nicer looking than when the gods fall asleep but part of yeah. that is because we watch a shitty 90s vhs rip of it so who uh, knows correct. Yeah. but like but the whole thing is there's nothing here you haven't seen before and at a certain point you just remember it's like oh yeah he hates hippies okay can we keep moving please <laughs> but uh there's no moving yeah i never got the sense that coffin joe was finally going to find that you know that pure superior woman to put his seed into 
in this one, which is really why I, I keep mean, yeah, watching. I mean, that one's gone. Yeah, but yeah that whole he doesn't even have the right fucking hat. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> they got the hat yeah. wrong. He's not. He's not Craven. Uh, uh, just a superior uterus. His hat is looking like shit. Fingernails like are not on point. That doesn't do the job for me. I, I need the top. He's hat. trying new things. This is. I mean, it feels very much like this is like store brand coffin Joe. This is sort of like yeah, we have coffin just, Joe you know, at home. Yeah, yeah just, pretty much. Like the the, the uh, it's just it's hard to describe how difficult it is to sit through this movie in many ways. Like it is all these vignettes. Like he keeps filling rooms of this fucking hostel. He there's probably what like six to seven different subplots that it keeps cutting rapidly between, mm-hmm. like hyper rapidly. You're getting like fucking ten seconds of one hotel room. Then we cut to another. Cut to another. And the whole time is this is taking place during a storm. Uh, <laughs> and it's just like someone banging on a sheet of aluminum and they record it. I'm sure it's not even that. I'm sure it's just a, a stock sound library, but it's like looped over the fuck. Over, like it probably plays in this movie like over 500 times. It's just like goddamn insane, especially in the in the conclusion of the film. Like after the purgatory things revealed. It's just like this woman walking outside in the dark, which this movie, I don't think it's restorable to like a a good looking state. Like, I I think it just is poorly lit all at all. Like, Mm -hmm. but she's just like wandering outside naked. You can't see anything at all. It's just like darkness. And it's just this fucking sound. I'm like. Shut the fuck up! Stop I mean, playing that Doesn't song. it bring you back? It brings you back to the drums of the opening. I like. I I do wonder if there was an attempt to create like this kind of like, you know, mood like a hypnotic mood. You know, with the sound cues and with the languorous pacing and everything. I I wonder if like the, the opening sequence was supposed to set the tone of this like hypnotic kind of like meandering sort of co- you know altered state but but the movie does like it's just there's not enough there because first like because fundamentally you watch it for like eight minutes uh you know which feels like 50 and uh, you're just like okay so the the hospital is purgatory all these people have died okay so what happened like there's no room for you to get lost in this and you know no who knows, this is when did this come out like 75 76 I think, 76 yeah. you know uh, maybe maybe that was new then too i'm you know i'm not on the on, off the top of my head, I'm trying to think. This is one of those ideas that's been around for so long that I know it's been done prior to this movie, but I have no idea of <laughs> it's a particular It's also one of my favorite origin. cinematic ideas, too, because everybody, anytime they use this in a movie, like, it was purgatory and they were dead the whole time. Like, everybody does it like they're the first person to ever do it, and it just fucking cracks me up. Now, yeah, I mean, yeah. Cop and Joe, I, he, he was, he was probably early on into it, so we'll give him a little leeway there, but it still feels kind of fucking lame yeah like, we can do better my overall point i feel is just yeah it, the, the what defeats this filming and deflates it is just the mood it, it it has the pacing of a mood piece but it doesn't have the mood of a mood piece. no, no. Really yeah. really how are you supposed to get like lulled into a movie into that like sort of trance state with all this fucking noise just banging around all the goddamn time and and these hyper cuts it's it's just so fucking abrasive that you can't get lost in it for a second yeah, it's, but you uh, do have great scenes like the all the. I, speaking of great subtitles, and again, I don't know how accurate the ones are for this. This again is sourced from Brazilian TV broadcast, but there is an amazing scene where all of the hippies who have all gathered in room thirteen 
because Coffin Joe isn't a fan of those guys, I tell you. And they all go to, to they all go to room thirteen, and they start having a naked dancing party. And the subtitles uh, they just chant, and the subtitles translate this chant, which is spoken like approximately five hundred times. Everyone just goes, "Everybody naked, great! Everybody naked, great!" And that feels like twenty minutes it, of this movie. Yeah. <laughs> And it's just intercut constantly with other things you don't fucking understand. Like, well, these guys are playing cards. <laughs> guess, guess this is purgatory. Yep. Who gives a shit? <laughs> this movie fucking sucks. <laughs> like, it would be one thing if it was like, and then Coffin Joe goes from room to room and fucking does his routine of pointing at someone and berating them for their life choices. But it's like, no, he just stands at the front desk and goes like, I do have a room for you. <laughs> Please it's, it's leave a us shift. a good review on Yelp. <laughs> it is it is a weird shift because yeah, he's like he's Coffin Joe is now the keeper of purgatory. This has nothing to do with his previous incarnations. No. He's not evil in this. He's almost like a Cenobite. Yeah. He's just like an emissary <laughs> he's of never a greater been an administrative existence. work guy. Let's be honest with ourselves no. here. Like that's. I not mean, he's this fucking fingernails. He couldn't even hold a pen no. or type. No. Can you imagine him using a typewriter yeah, with those things? Words per minute. They gotta be shit. <laughs> Typing with his elbows. <laughs> that's a good question. How the fuck does he write his script? <laughs> How does he do anything? How does he like hold a fucking <laughs> coffee mug? Without being a disgusting little fucking vulture man. It's, I don't know how he does anything. <laughs> it's hard to say. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. It, this, it, this is a real dud. And I wish there was more to say about it. Like, I wish it was one of those movies where it was, I don't know, boring or bad in a compelling way. But it's not. It's just kind of shit. That's all there is no, to it. No, I, I, I was craving boring because this is not boring, it's just, it's just fucking, it's sandpaper, I don't know, like, the audio mixing in this film is wretched, and the, the fucking, uh, my god, the, the editing, it's just like, ew, all the craft that, you know, you see in these films and are surprised by, it ain't here, like, no. nothing is right. <laughs> no. Like, this movie also- stinks. Another, another interesting, I did mention that it has, like, a lot of, like, uh, Marines go-to musical elements but outside of those recognizable ones the whole movie has this like just weird skittering synth funk track but it's like bad funk like again it's it's just it doesn't you you know you couldn't nod your head along with it it's just like this weird just skidding awful shitty prog sound like you know it's like it's in between rhythms times uh it just just kind of keeps going in different directions it doesn't really fit the image or anything else it's again just another level of just kind of um it just doesn't work it's like nothing here really works and nothing here Mm -hmm. really brings you into the fold to kind of go i'm i'm interested in what happens next you know and even the, the stories of redemption of the the woman who escapes and so on it's kind of like none of it's that interesting and then it culminates literally in the cops rolling up to the hostel and it's a graveyard, and you're like, of course it's a graveyard. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <shit>. We know. <laughs> like, yeah. My God, man. Yeah, it's just that, yeah, you can't watch that purgatory sort of movie these days anyway, in the best of circumstances, and it's just like, fucking stop, never make this again, for God's sakes. Mm-hmm. And this Brings is not- back to our Triangle episode, but honestly, this made me wish for Triangle again. Yeah. <laughs> Shape yeah. cast two, let's yeah. go absolutely like this this movie is is just a real miss and i mean 
if you're getting the box set, I, maybe there's something transformative happens with the, with the transfer that fixes the audio and makes it so you can see anything that's fucking happening. <laughs> it, it's possible. Anything's but possible. But even still, it's, even in the best of circumstances, this movie sucks. <laughs> well, you know, Myros, luckily, we weren't, we weren't left with that as the final Coffin Joe film because... Uh, at an advanced age of, I don't know, 70-something, we got another Coffin Joe movie in 2008. We were given Embodiment of Evil, and this is a film that uh, I think it stays more closely to the classic Coffin Joe that it was established in the first two movies. It's supposed to be part of that trilogy. And yeah. I'm I'm interested to hear what you gents have to say, because this is another one where... I, I did not hate this movie, but no, I think it's no, I, I think it's I the, think I was like softened at this point because mm. I hated the last one. <laughs> and then this is like the legacy thing. And I'm like, oh, God, I don't want to sit through this. And then I was like, oh, it's not too bad at all. Now, it's this is strong mother of tears. vibes. Oh, if yeah, you've ever watched Argento's <laughs> that is exactly movie. the vibe. The only the only thing is, is like it is undeniably like a Coffin Joe movie to its core. Um, and it doesn't, there's nothing embarrassing in this no, movie in the way that no, there no, is no. a Mother of Tears where you're like, what the what fuck are you doing? What I'm trying to get at though is <laughs> this is the first time I've seen one of his movies where I feel like he's in full control of the whole experience, you know, like he it, clearly this is his vision, but it feels like it's chasing contemporary horror trends instead of just yeah. forging its own path and being its own thing like when i say this movie came out in 2008 if you watch it for five minutes you're like this looks exactly like a direct-to-video 2008 film like this is oh like yeah dimension extreme the red dvd label like you're all picturing it in your fucking head right now that's what this feels like uh yeah whereas no, it's, mother's it's mother of like tears has the Oh, it's definitely Argento because Argento is I mean, the man could fucking light a scene and he can direct, but he's the most goofball, corny motherfucker alive. And it really shines through in Mother of Tears. <laughs> yeah. And Argento like really uh, found uh, he, he saw the CGI light in that film in a way that he should never have. No. Uh, whereas uh, Jose Mojica Marins seems to have instead of discovering CGI, discovered like uh a troop of body modifications. <laughs> yes. Yeah, he found a bunch of people that'll let him like just tug at their nipples, basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot. There's a lot of, of of needlework in this movie that looks very realistic. And I, I it's the same same thought. I was like, I'm pretty sure this is just people who do this for a living. Yeah. And he just, oh uh, yeah, that hook thing. I'm like, absolutely. That's just like a guy yeah. who's doing that. There's the, a hook guy. Everybody's I, got a hook guy. Yeah, that's. Hey, yeah, you know, I mean, and it brings us back to our Clive Barker thing, you know. I mean, it's it's in that that mode, but yeah, it this is um, not a bad movie. I enjoyed it. It's okay. It does uh, definitely have that torture porn element mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that was very popular around this time, and it just kind of like the whole middle section of the movie is just people screaming while being flayed. Uh, there's yeah. just an extended amount of this. There's also, I mean, dare we discuss age gaps in the world of Coffin Joe? Because <laughs> uh, Co Coffin Joe is a much older man here, but the women, they're they are the same age they yep. ever were. It's the good thing about being Coffin <laughs> Joe, I keep getting older, but my girls that are going to carry my seed <laughs> and continue my bloodline, they stay the same age. 
Uh, although he, he does reject at least one of them. Like that one girl comes to him. She's like, I'm ready. My fucking fetus is crying out for you, baby. And he's just like, no, you're too young, bitch. I need a, a woman, not a girl. Uh, Steve, I'm pretty sure uh, he still fucks her. Uh, he does. She's one he of does, the, like, six women. It, it, yeah, you know. Well, I mean, it's I mean, pretty offensive. He's he only has his human. Follower. Well, yeah, you know. he's got followers in this movie, two of which are two very healthy looking ladies, and they are apparently not in the cut at all, which seems mean spirited to yeah. me, frankly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. This it, it's this is a weird fucking thing because all legacy projects like this end up being weird fucking things. But I don't know. It, it's doing shit. Yeah, I, I, I could do... say like, yeah, he's chasing extreme shit, but. He's doing it pretty well. This movie has some great effects. Right? Oh, sure, yeah, sure. There's, there's some really grim stuff in this, and, and uh, what I do like about this movie is that he is making a direct sequel to the first two films, and he integrates, in, a, in I think, in quite an interesting way, he integrates, like, he he just openly has flashbacks that are just cut scenes from the, like, scenes he just pulled from the first two movies, which are, like, from the 60s in black and white, and he just plays them, and they, they're restored they look much nicer than the versions we watched, actually. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, you know, they're, they're just inserted in. And then he has the visions of, like, the women he's killed in the past and, and other people just appearing as, like, black and white characters. A and fucking I think great he, visual idea. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's definitely, and it's very much in, in keeping with his kind of vision of himself. Like, he, I think the Coffin Joe series is a very cinematically cognizant series it's very much aware that it's a film series mm. there's always these little throwbacks and like obviously very obvious ones like the fact that at least two of them are just about like the the film man in the real world but yeah i think it's a really interesting way that the you know he kind of keeps the old look to bring them in as visions and i you know it, there's there's some interesting cool stuff in this and then you know the rest of it really does it does feel like it's one last hurrah for just like extreme like Hey, government of Brazil, look what I'm doing now. He's just like slicing some chick's buttock off yeah. and feeding it to her, whatever. This girl's gonna eat her butt and then I'm gonna dunk her in a barrel full of cockroaches. <laughs> yeah, you know, or the wonderful meat cute where he has just a naked lady sewn into a dead pig. Yeah. And then he lets her out and she looks yeah. meaningfully into his eyes. Great first like, date oh. ideas, by the way. I hope yeah, These are the things that down. make me like this movie, though, is that this is a bucket of cockroaches. This is not like a bucket of computer bullshit. No. He's got himself a real bucket of fucking cockroaches <laughs> and uh, it looks like i'm sure it's a prop of some sort but it's some sort of pig carcass kicking around it yeah. i mean from the first movie it was pretty much just like if you're an actress in a coffin joe movie you better not be scared of spiders he has a whole test yeah. in the second movie about that and in bob possessed your corpse he's just like you chicks better not be scared of spiders and there's some fake ones in that scene but there's a lot of real goddamn spiders oh, yeah. everywhere too yeah. so yeah he's following through the ethos remains but i can see that at the time it's just when someone goes back an old filmmaker going back to this old thing in horror especially these guys fucking get lazy as shit and they're like well now the computer can do that i don't have to and this doesn't cut any goddamn quarters no, I think it speaks to, like, honestly, like, the callback to uh, the bloody exorcism of Coffin Joe and his fingernails. It's authenticity. Yeah. Like, I think there is there is a concrete element to it that uh, is seems obviously important to him. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, it's the stuff that doesn't involve Coffin Joe where this feels like a fucking TV movie. Like, the the police <laughs> shit, it's just like, oh God. I mean, they find the ultimate villains for him because they find a child-killing police officer mm. and a priest. And of course, as we know from the first films, Coffin, the only people Coffin Joe likes, other than the women who will bear him the perfect child, mm -hmm. are children. Children are the only people in society that are worth saving. Uh, that aren't corrupted. So the fact that he just is this police officer who just summarily murders some children, which, you know, brings us to the other point of this film as well, which is that everyone sucks. There's like no, there's no good side to anything. In yeah, here. I don't know what the police are up to. They're just like <laughs> running through the streets, gunning children. For no to be fair, like, weren't there stories about that? Like in the favelas, they had like the garbage, like they had like the cleanup crews that just would go in and just murder people on the streets like i i feel like that I was a read thing that news in the early 2000s. I, I skipped that day of reading you know I, <laughs> I, I, I was happy to be ignorant of this reality but yeah yeah you know it, it, but it, like i think it brings in a class element and a class is something that's always been a little bit um fuzzy for me within these films probably because i just don't know a lot about brazil but um you know we discussed uh like between Phoenix hominis and when the gods fall asleep that there seems like there's an urban rural divide between those two films and it kind of it comes up elsewhere in his films here and there, but but it's it's here it's much more apparent. Like he Coffin Joe is released from prison, and he kind of wanders out into urban Sao Paulo, and it's it's full of cars and traffic and lights and noise, and he's very disoriented, and he kind of stumbles back to uh, essentially kind of like the derelict, just like ruinous part of the city he's from, where where his hunchback caretaker has maintained his his uh, place unmended and untended it just looks like crap but he does have a coffin full of gold booty so he's he's good to go but um it is interesting i think there there is the element like that the police officers come in and just murder children and basically classify it as like you know kind of cleaning up you know it's it's you know preventing future crime effectively and so on yeah. and coffin joe is predicated as a an enemy of that uh, as he is also an enemy of religion with this, like, vindictive monk who is the son of someone that, that Coffin Joe murdered in one of the earlier films. So he stands against the police who are corrupt. He stands against religion, which is corrupt as well or useless in the best case. But he's also a dude who just goes around kidnapping and torturing women. Like, so, yeah, he's just a it, fucking butcher in this movie. Yeah, <laughs> it's like yeah, he no, this, feels like he's out of jail for a week and he kills like 30 fucking people. <laughs> I think they say he kills loads of people in prison too. I don't know why. Like the thing opens with him, it's like, no, we have to release him. It's the law. And then later on, they mention he killed like thirty people in prison. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think there's any law anywhere that would be you'd have to let that dude. I'm go. just glad he was able to walk out of prison in the beginning with his cute little outfit that he walked in with. You know, I I probably yeah, would not yeah. still fit in something like that. So they absolutely him. should have done a scene where he like collects his belongings from like the evidence people. It's like they hand him a top hat. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's I. It, as far as these types of movies go, because there's plenty of examples too. Because there's, I mean, there's like there's late period works by different artists, and and that's that's a whole discussion unto itself. But then there's these like almost definitive, like final statement pieces, and I and I think even though Argento's done all kinds of shit since then, but Mother of Tears really feels like his definitive final statement piece or yeah like the don coscarelli uh, new phantasm or yes that's another great example uh and and then this one now normally with those you kind of 
I, I don't know. There's there's like a there's a warmness to it. It's like it's like watching the fucking Rolling Stones play like I can't get no satisfaction when they're all like fucking 90 years old. It's it's weird. <laughs> but you're like, great job, grandpa. You did it. Whereas this actually feels like he's going for something, you know? Um, yeah. So that should be commended. So if most filmmakers are the Rolling Stones playing the old hits, but at an advanced age, uh, old Coffin Joe, he's more like a, like a David Bowie who up until his death was still experimenting and trying to, to push the boundaries of pop music. So good fucking on him, man. Like this is again, far from my favorite movie that we've watched for, for this series for the podcast, but uh, it's it's got stuff going on, and it's certainly a lot better than its reputation would have you believe. Because uh, this one, upon release, was was pretty much savaged by critics, uh, which yeah, is yeah. I just sad. don't think that's fair. It's two thousand eight. I guarantee you, I could not. I I could go through and watch every horror film released in two thousand eight, and it 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 would be in my top ten, guaranteed. There's no mm-hmm. way this, <laughs> you know. It's yeah. 2008. This is oh, yeah. uh, this is an edgelord <laughs> period of time. Exactly. Uh, what I mean, were you watching that was better? Was there a, an episode of Masters of Horror on on fucking HBO that played at Fantastic Fest that really tickled your fucking fancy? This is probably yeah. better. Yeah, I mean, I'm yeah, sure yeah. This was this was a period where horror was really in the dumps in in so many respects. And everything. Not only was it just it was all torture porn. You knew like one dimensional stuff, but also everything just looked like shit. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, honestly, this is a little bit of that digital sheen as well. That kind of like yeah. I was trying to know, figure out if it was digital or just uh, you know not great quality film. I I couldn't nail it down. I I try to find a source. But no. yeah. I'm not sure. It looks it looks very much of that time though. Like it's yeah. got an unmistakable, just kind of like if it wasn't shot digitally, it looks like the post production or something probably had some digital intermediate element to it or coloring element to it because it just has this very clean kind of like a, a gradient to its look. Like it's it's not a very filmic looking film, which none of the stuff that was coming out at that point was. It all had that no. kind of like kind of cheap look frankly everything looked a little bit like tv yeah but, um, yeah, yeah it, and i think it, the it, difference it's... was too is i mean there largely horror was kind of shit in this era there was some some decent stuff happening in in europe and like spain and, and france but yeah uh, i think a lot of it comes down to though, right? <laughs> knowing how to light shit properly for digital film which most yeah. of the american direct-to-video stuff that was coming out at the time it was just a fucking dude with an affliction t-shirt and a gallon jug of caro syrup ready to fucking go and no idea how to use the equipment that was in his or her hands. So you uh, you would also have to wonder, you'd also have to wonder if like for people, a lot of like critics stuff coming out of this, had they seen earlier coffin Joe stuff or, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, it wouldn't synapse. I don't know when the synapse DVDs came out in the U S and they were in rough shape even when those came out. But, um, like he's he was he's not really a well he's still not a well known quantity. This mm-hmm. arrow box set that's coming out is like it's basically a small group of people who are really excited about it, and then everyone else is like, sounds interesting. Yeah. So it's you know maybe maybe this is the time it it pulls through. But like Coffin Joe has always been very niche, and I can understand that if you don't have any idea of the legacy of this, this is just an old dude with long fingernails having weird visions in black and white mm-hmm. while murdering a bunch of people, and I could imagine that could fall flat yeah, for I, you. Yeah, I can't imagine, yeah, if you watch this and you had no familiarity at all with the with the character or the legacy or anything of that, like, what the fuck? Yeah, it's just like, why is Grandpa so horny and mean? That's... 
that's to be the whole movie. Like you, you have no context for anything that's going on. Uh, but yeah, hopefully uh, again, this you, gets yeah, a wide I, audience. Yeah, I think if you're steeped in it, then this is definitely worth watching to me. Like again, oh definitely. I'm looking at the 2008 here, and we we've even got a couple more examples of this exact same thing. Uh, we have uh, Frank Hanelotter's Bad Biology, which mm-hmm. is probably a little better than this, but yeah. uh, you know, similarly strange you know like the the look of it is just off <laughs> um and then we have uh romero's diary of the dead which Ooh. is substantially worse than this <laughs> i like how romero's whole thing was like every movie he put out since land of the dead was just like this is my swan song and it was everything just got progressively worse <laughs> he's like how can i effectively tarnish my legacy by being a pile of shit up until the moment where i take my last breath yeah, man had yeah. bills. <laughs> it it it's it's not good. Uh, I'll say that. But yeah, there's again. I I like this movie well enough. I don't think it it's amazing. But again, popular like lasting horror movies from that year. You're looking at like your martyrs, your midnight meat train, your dead girl. Uh, it's inside? just a lot of a. Uh, uh, inside might be might be earlier. I'm mm. not sure, but I I know that this is like. This is, it's just the time for that, you know, like if you're, if you're a horror fan at this point in time, you're either getting like your one missed calls or you're getting, uh, the extremism, your prom night remake is this year as well. Jesus Christ. That's true. It's, it's such a wide berth at that time was pretty much, it was all like extremist horror or J horror remakes, which were just like basically ghostly girls with black hair or just flaying people alive and screaming. Yeah. It's like, do you, um, do you want yeah. use a little more middle ground? Or do you want high tension? Those are your two oh, options. Shudder. Spe- Shudder, we got Shudder as well. That's another, oh. the worst of them. <laughs> Speaking, speaking of cinematic connections, actually, I was reminded in the, the finale of this as the priest walks away from the corpse, quote unquote, of, of Coffin Joe. There'll be a little bit happens a little bit after that, but this shadow, Coffin Joe's shadow is cast over him. He has a feeling of it. And the shadow is the Babadook. <laughs> it's, it's like, oh, yeah. I'm, just, I'm just curious. Uh, is, is Coffin Joe the Babadook? Is this, kind can of. we Coffin make Joe this canon? I could virtually guarantee that there, there's some inspiration there. Uh, I don't think Coffin Joe the, likes the gay people, though. Similar. <laughs> <laughs> fair, fair. Uh, but I think, like, what this movie told me, reminded me, like, more than anything is that I miss, like, these horror icon sort of things. Like, just yeah. imagine, like, if you're watching some piece of shit, like the Bye Bye Man or something, and instead of it being, like, this faceless nothing with like a fucking coin rolling around on the floor and his dog, and some sort of hellhound. <laughs> I fucking what, love the bye bye man. <laughs> yeah, but what if it was the same shit script and instead the the monster was this fucking long nailed maniac who just like pointed at your face and was like, ah, life is death and death is life. You got yourself a fucking ten out of ten. Yeah, and and, and that's again, it's like you don't really have these iconic villains anymore even ones that have persisted through the decades like i guess you still got Ghostface from scream but the whole thing for him is like oh he could be anyone and he has no distinct personality but yeah there's just there's no, there's no fucking person yeah, really it's freddy you know and freddy's no, i mean i think gone, i think and art the clown is probably the closest thing we have to like a new possible franchise villain mm-hmm. i can't speak to that i haven't seen it and probably never um, will 
I, I would say, honestly, as Terrifier movies, if they leaned more into the supernatural stuff, there's some really great horror filmmaking happening there. The gore stuff, eh, much less interesting, and I have a feeling the movie is going much more in that direction yeah. whenever they get to, like, Terrifier 3, unfortunately. Like, Terrifier 2 is two and a half hours long, and it's mostly because the gore has to take a long time. So, but anyway, but, but he is, you're right, I think we're, we're losing... It, it's kind of fun to have a guy you can just hang a film on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, and one of the things I like about Embodiment of Evil is that, like, it kind of, it it immediately casts him larger. Like, he's like Hannibal Lecter, you know, in the in the cell, larger than life. He's like this mythological figure. And then once he's released, it just, like, without wasting a second, he suddenly has henchmen and a servant and a, play, a base of operations and a throne. <laughs> and it's like, okay, we just hit the ground running. We don't, like, yeah, you don't need not interested in setting that up. He's got, his little Igor guy is gone, but he's got some other old creep who does his bidding. He's got his hot chicks. He's got that one guy who's a little chubby, and he looks like, like you ever go to a, a like a, a club or a bar and there's a guy DJing and he just won't stop playing Ministry? It's that guy. He's here. He just looks like a new metal <laughs> drummer, basically. Yeah, he yeah. just like he's spends like, yeah. his entire wages in the tattoo shop. I was I was the guitar tech for Fear Factory on their 2003 tour. Like that's <laughs> here he is. He's here, guys. It's fucking great. You're working for Coffin Joe now. <laughs> yeah. So, anyways. I am. I'm glad we went through this box set. Then we didn't really go through the box set because the fucking box set got delayed. But um, now we've gone through the box set before the box set, so we get to say, "Yeah, we did Coffin Joe before it was cool." So you know, just establishing our cred. With that being said, Myros, what do you want to put over this week? God, I've literally watched nothing because it was my finals week to like catch up on the uh, uh, finishing my screenplay. But uh, I'm looking through these. These 2008 horror movies, I'm going to put over a, a hell of a 2008 horror movie that uh, everyone's going to want to watch. Uh, let's settle on, uh, what do we have? We have, ooh, Ginger Dead, or, yeah, Ginger Dead Man 2, that's a good one. Uh, we have Pontypool. No, that's a legitimate good one, right? That, yeah, that, that's, that's a good that's one. A, that, that, that's like the outlier of the 2008 horror right there. It's, it's actually an interesting concept that doesn't rely on extremism it's a well-made film uh yeah a, a fascinating thing about language and uh yeah i i think probably i haven't seen it in some time but i gotta tell you based on my uh, recollection i bet it's more relevant now than ever because it, it's very much sort of about uh the infection of disseminated information and you know how it can warp perception in the broad populace and it is quite good so there you go i i may not have watched anything this week but i, I will i'll give you a 2008 classic 2008 putovers only jack easton yeah. what are you putting over this week i'm gonna i'm gonna put over a double bill i watched last weekend uh, uh i think we can all agree just a natural marriage of two films the first is angela shanleck's new latest film music which is my introduction to her work because i keep meaning to watch it and i forget mm-hmm. but I, I watched this one because it's new and it's a really austere, uh, serious European art film where nobody smiles, and it's very serious. But it is it is a really beautiful film. It's got this a, a tremendous eye for detail and incredible concentrated power to 
the way that the images it builds and the details it focuses on. I thought just a, a really tremendous film, but I could understand some people not being too taken with it if it's not, you know, it is very much like a parody of a European art film on one level. But then I followed that up by Russ Meyer's uh, The Immoral Mr. T's, which is a very different film to Angela Shanleck's music and probably to all of Angela Shanleck's movies because it's... Um, as it's it's a famous landmark in softcore pornography in the U.S. because it's basically just a man walking around looking at naked ladies while a narrator talks about things vaguely related to what's in the frame, but not about sex because that would have got them in trouble. They did get in trouble. Uh, the premiere of this movie, I believe, was rated by the police anyway because uh, they didn't want to see uh, a bunch of nice la ladies in the nip uh, having a great time on the beach. Wow. Um, but yeah, it's it's a wonderful film. It's Russ Meyer. It, it does really give a sense of his sense of humor that would come through all of his work. Like the, the narration is really goofy. There's one scene that's just a naked woman swinging in a tire swing and the narrator is just going on about the like economic benefits of rubber. It's just an absolutely fucking stupid movie. But uh, apparently this is what you had to do just to get naked people on screen back in the day. Mm. So yeah, watch music and then follow it up with the Amaral Mr. T's. Wow. Watch watch both the musics that came out in the last year, right? Like did <laughs> that would be the other double bill. Yeah, do the, the double music bill duo. How much the worst and the best. How much kid with autism does this other music have? On a scale of one to ten. Well, no one really says a lot, honestly. Maybe they all yeah, have. It's, it's possible. Really, you know, frankly, they wouldn't discuss it if they did. It's it's very much a movie that you would have to... Uh, you, you could imprint anything on it, because in proper European art movie tradition, no one says anything directly about anything that's happening. Oh. You just got to figure it out yourself. Well, there you go. I'm, I'm going to... My read of it is it's also about a kid with autism and Sia. So... Yep. Uh, yeah. Well, first of all, when I asked for a 2008 movie, Jack, I'm a little bit disappointed that you didn't say Meet the Spartans, but I'll let this one slide. Uh, I am also <laughs> going to do a double put over this week. Uh, thanks to Jack Eason, I started watching the latest season slash return of Takeshi's Castle, which is uh, was just dropped on Amazon Prime for some reason. It's it's great. I did not expect it. Um. Uh, I, I, so is this like a revival or has it just never stopped Eric? No, no, it's a revival. It's a revival. Like it's, yeah. it's a whole thing about it being 34 years later. Yeah, it's um, it's it's pretty good. It's especially fun if you're familiar with the original. But even if you're not, it's great. Um, I, and I love that it's an entire game show, heavy finger quotes slash competition show, heavy finger quotes, where the idea of winning is so just wildly impossible that it's not even <laughs> under consideration for any of the contestants. Everybody's literally just happy to be there and happy to be there is like you're, I don't know, you're in a giant cat mascot suit and you're trying to run across some foam rocks and you eat shit. And then a, a guy, a guy in a sea monster suit drags you away. Like it's the dumbest shit you could possibly think of. And Everybody just loves it. And, and that joy really comes through. So it's great. Whereas I, I feel like the American version of the show, the most extreme challenge where they just sort of dub over it, it takes away that joy and it just kind of turns it into mockery because yes, of course, it's fun to watch someone get hit in the nuts repeatedly. Like that will always be great. But then just they're, they're so glad that they got hit in the dick and that's nice. I love that. So yeah, good. I think uh, most extreme elimination challenge. It was funny when I was like 
11 and it's probably best left uh, <laughs> to that period in time i would imagine yeah that makes me wonder too from from that same period is kung pao enter the fist still funny or was i no, just I can't 12 imagine. <laughs> <laughs> That will be an interesting podcast because, yeah, that it seemed real funny at the time. It was when that lady just goes Wii U, Wii U over and over again. Like, that's fucking funny. <laughs> We're going to have to watch that. I don't know. Like, Freddy Got Fingered aged better than anyone expected. So why not Kung Pao enter the fist? We'll have to figure it out. I mean, to out. be fair, I, it's, it's only been like a year maybe since I learned that uh, Bob Odenkirk and Steve Odekirk or whatever are not related or in any oh. way associated I with each other. I they must I, be related since they don't have the same last name at all. <laughs> That's, I just thought they did. I just, yeah. I just put it together. They're close. They're closer yeah, they than you think two people's names should be. Yeah, well, I mean, like, one of them was on Mr. Show and the other one like remade Star Wars with just his thumbs. Well, yeah, <laughs> to be to, in my defense, Bob Odenkirk does not really have a comedy footprint in Ireland. That's true. None of that stuff came across. So he's he's someone I've really discovered yeah, coming over. Maybe you in know, Ireland since... they, they really enjoy the uh, fucking horrible 3D animated film Barnyard, uh, which mm. which is the work of Mr. Odenkirk. <laughs> yeah. Different guy. Oh, you see. Yeah, no, I, I don't. I never seen that. Yeah. But they, this show is coming together. Now we have two movies. Only, only so many channels Wars. on Irish television. They got I mean, you got your, your Irish soap operas. You got your Roy Chubby Brown specials. There's no space for Mr. Show in that landscape. So that's tricky. No, I mean, these, it's uh, HBO stuff. Now we got the Sopranos and, and what more do we need? And Sex in the City. But um, yeah, you know, you couldn't get it all. We, yeah. we have limited airtime. And like you say, there's... They, they just kept showing Lethal Weapon 2 in my teenage years. That was just that kept being shown. So you couldn't put new comedy on. No, why would you do that? That sounds great. Yeah. Lethal Weapon 2 on all day, every day. It's Fuck yeah. Honestly, it's pretty, pretty good. I think I've seen that movie in its entirety like 20 times. Mm -hmm. Thanks to just being a teenager in Ireland in the 90s. Well, you know, the other thing. My I God, this. I, I got to say, we had to go through this, man. Like. If you're asking uh, if if this film could possibly hold up, I, I, I don't know. I feel like. He, you know, the, the his bad guy's name credits, is Betty. His writing credits would indicate, <laughs> would indicate no, because, uh, yeah, I, I would say since Kung Pao Enter the Fist, he has written uh, Bruce Almighty. Love it. Uh, Barnyard. Great. Uh, Evan Almighty. Another banger. And Cowboys and Aliens. Yeah, it's just oh, a, a bunch of fucking bangers. This guy. Listen, I, he's. He's got a mansion and he's he's counting that money because he had oh, that scene yeah, where he does. he's he had the the gopher chucks and he uh, he fought Betty with the gopher chucks. So I I, I think he's look a at his IMDb. His IMDb bio just starts with the uh, the multi the Academy Award nominated multi hyphenate. That's right. That's right. This is a real deal. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, he's definitely made a, a bajillion dollars at his no no shade at him, but. Yeah. Does Kung Pao hold up? Probably fucking not. <laughs> no, I, we're going to find out when we do the Not Bob Odenkirk the podcast. Are, are we going to do his, you know, the, the God Thumb and Franken Thumb? And yeah, the we got Star thumb. Thumbs, Thumb Wars. Wh which one well, is I mean, it? those things are all probably like two minutes long, right? We could probably do that. Yeah, that's <laughs> some real Adam, like, early You'll be, you'll be glad to know, Adam, that Thumb Tannic is 26 minutes. Whoa. Christ <laughs> I mean, that was like a two VHS tape special when it came out, so I get it. It's, that's fine. 
How does he do what? the the thing where like Jack holds up Rose in the in the front of the boat with just his thumbs? I don't I don't know. I'm sure through a series of ingenious special effects. Yeah, he's we're still at it, it. He's got an upcoming yes. Thumb Wars Nine: The Thighs of Sky Skipper. <laughs> See, do you think our Patreons like when we just start scrolling through IMDb? Yeah, you guys like when you yeah. stuff? like you know. <laughs> The special. <laughs> That's just, this is going to be great. We're just working out the next episode. It's it's fine. Don't worry. Um, I think the other thing I should put over is, I mean, we were talking about all these 2008 horror movies. You know what's fucking weird? So you mentioned Martyrs. Um, martyrs from that era of like Euro extremism. Yeah. It's, it's one of the better films. It got yeah. a, a, a remake, which was really bad. And oddly enough, I think you can get that shitty remake on Blu-ray, but the original is still stuck on DVD. Also, coward's move, but a surefire way to know you're in for something special. Uh, Martyrs is one of the few movies I can think of other than Terry Gilliam's Tideland, where the introduction before the film even starts is the filmmaker apologizing to you, which gotta love that. Gotta love it. So uh, 2008 Martyrs. Where's well, the, where's the better, high definition restoration? Come on. Better than Tideland. <laughs> better than, much better than Tideland. Yes. <laughs> that was one of those ones. It's like, I, I don't know. I don't know why you're apologizing. Did someone ask you to apologize? Because I don't think you really need It's not that It's bad. really funny because Terry Gilliam won't apologize for shit now. It's like Sarah Pauly wrote a letter talking about how he nearly killed her repeatedly in like whatever Baron Munchausen. And he won't. He's just like, oh, everyone's woke. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I think his thing is, is like I, he wasn't necessarily apologizing for the the content of Tideland so much as he was apologizing because it's a colossal pile of shit. So, well, <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it yeah. is. <laughs> Which you should apologize for. Don't apologize for the extremism of your movie. Uh, but maybe, maybe if you make a shitty movie. Anyways, uh, if you're listening to the podcast right now, if you enjoy, um, you know, us reading, us reading IMDb, IMDb pages <laughs> of forgotten filmmakers from the early to mid 2000s. If you enjoy uh, 2008 shitty digital direct-to-video horror films with that like weird kind of piss yellow uh, color saturation thing going on, you're upset with us, any of these things, what can you do? I'll tell you what you can do. You can give us money. There is a link. If they're upset with us, they're going to give us money, you think? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's what you do. You fucking throw money at the problem. That'll fix it. (laughs) I'm going to explain this whole process. So you go to the Patreon, right? And you give us a couple bucks. Now, if you just give us a few dollars, well, uh, that'll get you access to a huge back catalog of uh, special patron-only episodes and written content. And uh, then also, if you live in the continental United States, I am going to send you a movie from my personal collection straight to your doorstep. Now, if you go to that $5 level, that gives you the ability to vote. Uh, Because here at Optimism Vaccine, we don't stand for a lot, but we believe firmly in poll taxes. So. Uh, you can vote on a future episode and also get your name read out on the air if you're at that five and above level. So, Myros, who's at five and above right now? Uh, by the way, I would I would welcome a poll tax because then I would have a good excuse for not voting. It's better just like craziness. <laughs> Hating everyone. Yeah. yeah. Um, we have David, Evan, Ryan, Dustin, and Paula this month. They're great. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> shout out to all of them and then of course and here's here's where this comes in if, if you are furious at what you just listened to and you really want it you want some change some change that you, you can believe in uh, 
I suggest giving us $25. And, and what that will do is that will allow you to have any episode you want, anything for an episode, anything at all. We've had some great ones in the past. Maybe you're saying, Steve, you son of a bitch. I fucking love George Romero. I, I loved him at the end of his life when he was milking everything he could out of the of the dead series because you know, Night of the Living Dead was just public domain at that point. And there's like $6,000 store DVDs of it. And it was very sad for him. And you want us to watch Survival of the Dead and Diary of the Dead. Jack, you remember Su Survival of the Dead? Isn't there even I another one? I do remember Survival of the Dead. That's one, The Island, right? Yeah, I think it's The Island one. I don't isn't, isn't there know. even one more than that? Uh, I think it's just Survival, Diary, and Land. I, Unless you yeah, like Survival was the last one, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Uh, I don't fucking know. I'm going back I don't to even IMDb remember if Diary's a bad movie or if I just it, I just realized it was like not the movie it could have been, which would have been way better. <laughs> honestly, <laughs> who knows? But if someone gives us money, we can figure this out. Maybe you want to pay us to not watch Kung Pao Enter the Fist because you don't you don't like when the the lady goes Wii U Wii U. Or the, the bad guy's name is Betty or the gopher chucks come out, right? You don't, you hate that shit. I feel, I feel like there has to be like a trans joke in that movie. Like, I feel <laughs> like something in that's got to have aged really bad. I'm going to go ahead and say that like anything that isn't like juvenile fart joke humor is probably just poorly aged shit like i mean what what's what's the best that you could hope for it's yeah we, we have to try this out now yeah we we have to because i mean <laughs> the the highest ceiling for this is it's what's up tiger lily but with trans jokes that make you feel uncomfortable like that's like it's more respectful be, director too you know? yeah that's true uh it it can't be it can't be anything good so why not pay us to watch it or not watch it? Who knows? Who else is doing this work? No one that I know of is talking about Steve Odekirk, Odin, whatever his name is. Odekirk. Yeah, Oda, sure. Him. Him. So, yeah, you can do that. Now, if you have any Just questions, don't, comments. Uh, don't ask us to watch Tideland, please. That, no fucking Tideland. <laughs> Tideland's off the fucking docket. <laughs> This is now everybody's like fucking scraping their cash together, digging through their couch cushions <laughs> so they can make us watch fucking Thailand. Uh, anyways, yeah, uh, if you have any questions, comments, death threats, marriage proposals, optimism vaccine at gmail.com, or you can tweet at us or whatever, whatever social media platform you're on. Uh, just look for optimism vaccine. We're probably there. And uh, yeah, that's about it. We'll be back next week with something that has nothing to do with Coffin Joe.